Hello, loyal listeners to the Hostile Environment Podcast, and welcome to the first episode of season number two, which doesn't mean shit, because it's no different from season number one, but here we are. Anyways, uh, thank you for the feedback I got from my last episode, where I talked about how I tore a hole in my ball sack many years ago. Um, the comments I received were, for the most part, very similar, and I guess maybe I didn't stress the amount of pain I was in, because a lot of the questions about the pain and discomfort I was in and, and how I felt at the time were, were, were you know, that, that's basically the majority of what I got. So let me give you this suggestion. Uh, I want you to, if you're, if you're questioning how much pain I was in, I need you to go outside and just look around. I'm sure there's a house in your area that has a small, you know, iron, uh, you know, wired fence, just like any other fence. And I want you to take the sleeve of your shirt or, or the sleeve of your jacket or whatever. And I want you to wrap it around the top of the fence. And then I want you to quickly pull the shirt towards you and listen for the tear, feel it catch. And, you know, and, and feel it rip because that, you know, that you'll, you'll get that feeling, you know, that feeling, right? And then I want you to try and unhook it. But while you're doing that, picture me naked. Um, the, the shirt is actually my junk and I'm bleeding and trying to fight off a little dog who won't leave me alone. And all of this is happening at the same time. Oh, and, and don't forget and throw in an angry homeowner who um, obviously stopped chasing you for just long enough for this horrible situation to take place. So, long story short, on a scale of 1 to 10, as far as pain, uh, at the time of the initial uh, ball sack ripping, it was probably a 5 out of 10. And that was because my my juices were flowing and my adrenaline was pumping and, you know, I've got Buddy chasing me, so I was, you know, I was out of the shit on my mind. But later on uh, in, the, in the day, you know, I had to go back to school the throbbing uh, was periodically horrible, and having to peel my underwear away from my sack because all of the dried blood, uh, well, that during the day that brought the pain to about a six or six point five on, on you know the on the Richter scale, pain scale, whatever you want to call it. But it was when I got home and I jumped in the shower after a nice little nap, and I put the soap and water on the the, the tear. Uh, that's that's when the pain was truly insane, and I would put that at least at an 8.5 or a 9. It was, it, oh, wow, and it burned, man, it burned. But anyway, en enough about my damaged groin area. I uh, hope you listened to episode 25. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, you know, it's just another story I want to bring to you guys, because why the hell not, right? Uh, so what I did do was I listened to the episode back and, uh, of course I have to do my, uh, my F word count and I counted seven times I said the F word in that episode. So that's actually down four swear words from the episode previous to that. And all in total, that's only 18 in two episodes. So that's progress, right? I mean, I'm doing well. I hope you guys are proud of me as I am in myself. And because I think I can slowly get it down to almost zero. I, well, maybe not zero because that's not going to happen, but at least two or three. But uh, the one episode I did count, I think it was Anus, Pickles, and Hitler. I think I counted like 27 or something like that. So I got to cut down and I'm doing well. So I got a question for you guys. Um, it's kind of an odd question. So if you, uh, if you want to answer, feel free to answer me on any of my social media platforms. I will give you the plugs, obviously, in a bit. Um, the question, it involves drinking. Okay, um, so in case you haven't caught on, your boy, your party host, your love muffin, Jay, 
he loves to, uh, you know, tip the old uh, occasional beer back here and there. Uh, it is what it is. I'm not gonna, I'm not ashamed of it. Love to drink. I'm not an alcoholic by any means, in my opinion, anyways. Uh, but everything about booze just makes me happy. There's nothing wrong with that, I believe. I think as long as you're responsible and you're not behind the wheel, you're good to go, right? So sometimes I realize that maybe it's been a long week and maybe I've been hitting the beer store or whatever just a little too often. So to prevent the urge to you know head over and refill the old beer fridge, I'll just eat a huge meal. Because if you're stuffed with food by around like 5 o'clock and then you've got to be up, or sorry, you got to be in bed first, uh, for like 10, 10.30, for work the next day, which I, I, I'm i up at 5.30, um, well, the math just doesn't add up to, you know, so you're preventing any sort of alcohol-related shenanigans because you just don't have the time to drink because you haven't digested your food yet. But here's the question I'm asking you um, is, have you ever actually had to do it the other way? So an example I'm going to give you is um, last Saturday, I had to work. Uh, like I said, I started at 6 a.m. on Sunday. And uh, I had breakfast at work on Saturday around 9 o'clock in the morning. Um, so I wasn't really all that hungry until probably around 3 o'clock. But I got off work at 2 and I had to run some errands and do some other stuff and, and pick up my kid and, you know, just whatever. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I, I head home and I'm doing like five straight hours of backbreaking yard work, which was awesome. But it was a gorgeous day. And I was super thirsty, my friends, just super, you know, when you're doing yard work on a sunny day, you're thirsty, you're dehydrated. And the beer was ice cold and it was ready for consumption. And I was ready to listen to the leaf game in the backyard. But I was really hungry before that, like, you know, right around four or five o'clock. And I knew if I ate, I might end up being too full to enjoy, you know, my nice, cold, refreshing beverages. So what do you do? I mean... I was torn. Do, do you just do I eat a small meal and then run the risk of getting like absolutely stupid hammered way too quickly because I got no food on my stomach and I'm you know by myself so it's embarrassing, um, or just not eat at all and for sure be bombed by like the second period, or you know so how do you do it right like that's the question basically I'm asking. Have you ever planned your eating habits for the day around the fact that you're indulging in some daddy beverages later on in the evening, right? And if you do this on a regular basis, I'm guessing that's a bad thing. So uh, I'm not saying how many times I've actually had to have this question to myself. But uh, so because I dropped, every, I finished every drop of booze I had on Saturday doing yard work and enjoying the Leafs, uh, beat up on the Montreal Canadiens. Yes, that was beautiful. I obviously needed to refill my beer fridge in case of emergency. So what do you do? You get in the car and you head over to the liquor store. Uh, the store, liquor store here in Pickering, there's a big one at uh, Brock and Highway 2 that happens to be in like a huge plaza with a Lowe's and a Walmart and a McDonald's and a bunch of other shops. So it's usually kind of busy. But my God, when I pulled into the plaza, the amount of people I saw on Sunday was absolutely ridiculous. I didn't know what the hell was going on, but something was up. So, you know, I'm pulling into the parking lot, I'm trying to get to the liquor store, and I'm glancing around all these, there's just people as far as the eye can see, uh, but then I'm looking at, I'm seeing Ferraris, and I'm seeing Lambros, and I'm seeing Maseratis, and then there's packs of guys on those friggin' really shitty 
crotch rocket motorcycles and they're all wearing leather and 30, 38 degrees outside and you know, there's music pounding in every direction and the, the smell of weed was everywhere and engines are revving all over and you know, there's scantily clad women in groups all over, most of them just looking to get nailed by some guy in a $700,000 car. Um, and all I want is my beer. So uh, I can't even get to the liquor store because nobody's driving. And then in front of a couple of cars in front of us, then there's ice cream trucks and there's food trucks in front of me. And I'm thinking, well, wait a second. Aren't we in a lockdown? Or what the hell, whatever they're calling this horse shit now, but... Anyways, I'm not sure how it happened, but somewhere in the neighborhood of over 2,000 people attended this uh, pop-up car show event. Uh, apparently, it was like an anti-lockdown car show. It started around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I, I happened to be there around 6, just before the liquor store closed. And just because, as a society in 2021, we can't even have an impromptu lockdown car show without an ending in violence, which, of course, it did. So, as soon as it got dark... Uh, the real assholes made their appearances. Uh, I saw a video on social media of some asshole doing donuts in his, you know, twenty thousand dollar Subaru or his Honda, and you know he lost control and hit somebody. Then he drifted into another car and hit another car, uh, hit another car. But I, I, I believe that someone was pinned between the two cars, so he hit one, and there was a person in the middle, and then he got pinned between another car. Anyways, buddy in his Honda or Subaru or whatever. Uh, he tried to drive off because, you know, that's the, the fucking coward. Ah, oh, there's an F word. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, like, he's trying to drive away. Not like not everybody there has their cell phone on already because he's already doing donuts. But now he's actually hitting cars and people. So, guaranteed, the guy was on someone's cell phone video, which, obviously, he was because I saw it. And, um, anyways, they they tried to, they, they, they stopped him from driving away and they dragged him out of the car and uh, apparently they did a boatload of physical violence and bodily harm to him. And then the cops finally showed up to break it all up. But obviously not before, you know, a bunch of people got hurt. So that was my huge weekend from my crazy life. Oh, wait, wait, wait. And I built a barbecue all by myself. I finished it Monday afternoon just after I dropped the podcast. Um, so I'm very proud of myself. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I fired up the hot dogs cause that's all I had. Cause I wasn't even planning on finishing it, but it got finished and I had to test it out. So I fired some fucking hot dogs on the grill. Oh shit. There's another F bomb. That's the second one. Anyways, I'm, I'm done. No more F bombs. I'm trying. Anyways, uh, let's get to the social media plugs before we get on to the crux of the podcast. You know where to find me on Twitter. I am at podcast underscore hostile on IG. I am at host.enviro.pod. Facebook, I am Jay Cowell. TikTok, if you want to check out some of the shit that I do on TikTok. Like I said, my face still has not been on that app, so I've kept to my word. I am at the Hostile Environment Pod. Uh, and of course, if you want to email me, um, my, you know, I'm, I'm getting short on dick pics here, guys. Like I'm, uh, I'm really trying here. Uh, J.Hostile.Environment at gmail.com. Don't forget, I am on Apple, I am on Spotify, I am on Amazon, I am on Google. So I'm on major platforms, and don't forget, if you click on my link uh, with all my podcasts and all that stuff where I, where I am, there's also a Patreon page. So feel free to buy me a coffee. So, um, in the honor of this being the first episode of season number two, and in honor of Noof being found on Facebook by a loyal listener... I felt it was fitting that I tell you guys the story of Newfie Kelly. Um, that's, here we go. Um, when I met Newf, you guys all know Newf, 
he had some, uh, he had at some point told me of this girl that he was kind of dating named Kelly. Anyways, it turns out that um, Noof's dad and Kelly's dad were both single fathers and they had tried to make some sort of like, um, like a Noofy version of an arranged marriage between their kids. So they moved from, I, I didn't think they moved from the rock, but they moved from somewhere to Toronto together. Uh, they lived about two blocks apart. Uh, Noof was in a basement apartment with his dad and Kelly, uh, was living in a real apartment with her dad. And, um, so, uh, Noof told me that, um, he, he was kind of in love with her, but, um, he didn't think that, you know, she felt the same and also thought they were meant to be together and all this romantic garbage. Anyways, I was pretty shocked to hear that Kelly went to our school because I had never seen her or met her and, and was very much looking forward to meeting the girl that Noof apparently was in love with. So one day after school, Noof, we were outside and uh, he asked me, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm going over to Kelly's house. Do you want to come over and do you want to meet her with me? And I was like, well, giddy up. I jumped at the chance to go meet Noofy Kelly. So off we went. Um, Kelly lived in a, just a regular apartment building. It was like eight stories. Um, we walked in the front door. And as soon as I did, I noticed this like giant, massive security camera in the lobby. It was like, it looked like it was like 800 pounds. It was huge. And I remember thinking it looked just like the camera from the video game GoldenEye. So if any of you guys ever played the best game ever on a Nintendo 64 GoldenEye, they had these like giant cameras that were supposed to be like Russian and they were old school and you had to, you know, shoot them, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, they look just like that. So uh, the camera will come into play later on in the story. So we buzz her and she lets us in and, you know, she lived on the ground floor. So once you're in the lobby, it was basically like a, you know, 45 second walk to her front door and we get there and she opens up the front door and boom, there's Nuthi Kelly and she's pretty attractive. You know, she's not a knockout or anything, but she had like really dark eyes and dark brownish red hair and she had a really nice smile. So then upon further inspection, uh, you know, after the initial uh, scene of her, uh, side of her, uh, initial meeting her, uh, we'll go with that. Um, she had a very nice body too. You know, she was a little thick, but like not fat or overweight or anything. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, and she also had some pretty big guns, which for me as a boob man is usually the first thing I noticed, but I had noticed her eyes because her eyes were actually very pretty. Um, and she was, Kelly was super nice. Um, but she had that really thick newfie accent which was not sexy at all. Like it is like actually kind of a turn off the way she was, you know, the way she sounded like a truck driver. So I don't know, weird, but it is what it is, man. Who cares? Not my check, right? It's, it's Noof's love. So anyways, um, after, you know, after that, I would start seeing her in the hallways at school and we'd exchange smiles and I'd be like, Hey, what's up? And you know, nothing, nothing major. And you know, we had never really had a conversation after that. And then one day, you know, I'm walking out of the school and all of a sudden I hear her call me, you know, Jay, you know, so I turn around, I'm like, Hey, Kelly, what's up? Um, she goes, uh, you know, uh, she asked me if I knew where Noof was. And I said, no, I, I haven't seen him in a, I haven't seen him in a day or two. So I have no idea where he is. Anyway, she said they'd gotten in some kind of argument and she was heading over to his house and wanted me to come up and help smooth everything out because I, I guess they got in a big fight. And I said, yeah, sure. What the hell? Uh, you know, I got nothing better to do. I'll swing by Noof's. So like I said, uh, they, those two lived very close to each other. So Kelly asked me as we were walking, we were just passing this McDonald's, which meant we were like five minutes from Noof's house. Uh, she had, she minded if I if um, we stopped by her house first so she could drop off her books and her, her bag and whatever. 
uh, and get changed. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. So we get to her place. We walk in. She asks me if I'm hungry or thirsty. I'm like, nah, I'm good. Thanks anyway. And I'm just waiting for her. And she comes out of the bedroom in a new outfit. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she just grabs me and just starts, like, attacking me. She starts, like, kissing me and grabbing me. And she's, like, she's panting like a dog in heat. And I've got no idea what's going on. I was so thrown off. I did not see this coming, right? But, you know, me, um, I just roll with it because that's the kind of guy I am. I just roll with the punches. And um, so there we are and we're making out and one thing led to another. And the next thing I know, we're having sex. Uh, I know it's weird. Um, a bad friend, right? A horrible guy, uh, you know, scumbag, you know, call me a bunch of other things. Um, I, I, but like I said before, she was weirdly attractive and I'm a weak man and I didn't initiate this in any way. So I didn't want to be rude and hurt her feelings because that's not the kind of guy I am. So we did what we did. And uh, after we'd finished up, I said something like, uh, what was that? Like, what, what happened there? And she told me she was attracted to me from the moment she saw me. And she hoped I'd noticed all of her flirting with me in the hallways at school. Which, truthfully, I had zero clue was going on in the slide. I had no idea she was flirting with me. Um, she also explained that she hated both of these uh, Newfie fathers, dads, trying to push them together because that's not what she wanted. But um, Newf kind of just assumed they were together when they weren't dating or anything. I mean, they had dated kind of in the past, but that shit was long done. But I guess Rob was still holding on to this dream or whatever you want to call it, right? So that kind of made me feel a little bit better for what just took place because I knew Noof was not going to be pleased no matter what, but I also thought that this was just a one-time thing and it wouldn't happen again. So maybe let's just not tell Noof and maybe prevent him from, you know, tearing my arms and legs off in anger because that, I don't want that. Um, well, unfortunately, it wasn't a one-time thing. In fact, um, Kelly was under the impression that we were like together and I was more along the lines of, I'm just banging a Noofy chick. So we continued to sneak around and fool around, and um, one day, a couple weeks later, uh, it's a Friday afternoon, Derek, Tone, and I had skipped school, and we were downtown, and that's what usually what we did on the weekends, we'd wander around downtown, it was pretty normal for us, and what we do is we would just get off at one subway station that was furthest, Young and Bluer, furthest away from downtown on the same line, and we would just walk all the way down from that station, all the way down to the Eaton Center and past that, right? Um, for the, those of you who aren't in Toronto, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but, um, so that's what we did. Uh, we would just kill time and, and uh, you know, shop, not really shop cause we didn't have any money, but anyways, that's what we did. And, um, so most of the time we did this actually was, was so not only to kill time, but so tone could shoplift, uh, anything that he could and then sell it, whatever he stole to the store called cash converters, where they would give you cash for trash. But it was always just enough cash that he got for his trash for Tone to buy smokes and booze. And that's how Tone lived for as long as I knew him. So, like, if you guys don't remember cash converters or you're not from Toronto, you could go in and sell, like, 45 CDs. And I think they would give you, like, 50 cents a CD or maybe a dollar or something like that. But they would they would buy tools and bikes and old computers. So, Tone would find random busted up garbage on the street that we used to actually use for cabs, which I used to call luggage, 
but he would also take these things and go to cash converters and sell them to him. So like some guy would throw his broken computer on the street and wait for the garbage guy to take it. Tone would pick it up and go to cash converters and say, yep, this works. And they would give him like 20 bucks for it. So he did actually, you know, hit a gold mine there, but uh, that's how Tone lived. So anyways, we're downtown and uh, Tone decides to go into this, you know, sex store um, where they, they sell videos and dildos and all that fun stuff. But they also had those... Um, and this is, I'm really dating myself here, and I'm sure some of you too, but they also had those private viewing booths where you could go sit down in a private booth and pump in a bunch of quarters, and it would show porn on the screen, and you could sit down, and you you know, as many quarters or as much porn as you wanted to, as you wanted to do, um, or as long as it took you anyways to, um, to jerk off to the porn on the screen before you just walked out without cleaning up your mess, and leaving it for some other poor bastard to clean. So do you see how far we've come as a society? This is 2021. In those days, it was like 1998. So you could actually pay to masturbate in a booth that was in a video store downtown and just walk out to leave your mess for somebody else to clean up or for the next person who was about to, you know, rub one out. And they had to avoid touching it while they began to do their business. And... Do you really think the employee who had to clean the booths would just let all the semen pile up so that, you know, you don't have to keep running in to clean it? Basically, you just do it in one foul swoop. So like nine or ten guys, you know, make a mess and you just wait. It's kind of hard to believe that COVID didn't originate from these jerk-off booths. But anyways, um, so we usually we didn't even go in these types of stores usually because the majority of the time, as soon as you walked in, they would just kick you out for being underage. So um, anyways, for some reason, Tone being Tone, um, he decided to head into this one while Derek and I were outside. I think Derek was having a smoke or whatever. Anyways, we're, we're chilling out. And uh, a couple of minutes later, Tone comes out with a bunch of shit in his hand. Uh, sex items uh, like a, a vibrator and he had anal beads and some other kind of like leather bikini with like chains on it and shit and lipstick he had a whole bunch of shit in his hands and he tells us that the guy who works in that store upstairs was cleaning all the jerk-off booths and nobody was watching the store there was nobody in there so he literally just picked up a bunch of shit on the way out and walked out the door to show us that he could steal anything that he wanted to so um, then he tells us that on his way out he saw this giant inflated sex doll that he was going to grab, but he, he thought it was like too big or might make some noise or whatever, and, and the guy might see. So he asked me and Derek to come up and you know possibly distract the guy who was working there. So all three of us head up to the stair up the stairs, and there he is, there's Buddy, and he's scrubbing and he's mopping the jerk-off booths. So Tony immediately grabs the doll and just runs out the door. Didn't make a sound, it was perfect. Uh, and you know, buddy still wasn't even aware that we were in their store. So Derek and I just happened to grab a couple of VHS movies and we followed right behind home and out of the store, we all went. So like I said, this is like 1998. So it's broad daylight on a Friday afternoon in downtown Toronto, you know, and there's three guys walking around. Um, one's got a bunch of porn videos in his hand. Another guy's got like anal beads and a woman's bikini full with leather and chains and then there's Tone, who has a five-foot, fully inflated, you know, sex doll woman, whatever you want to call it. And remember, in 1998, sex dolls are not the same as they are now. It was literally just like a giant beach ball with a wig and legs and arms. It had no bearing to a woman whatsoever. It was literally just a hole for guys to pound, which is pretty disgusting, but it, I'm sure people are desperate. 
Um, anyways, that we, we figured, you know what, we can't just walk around downtown with this shit. It's kind of, it's, it, you know, it, this is not cool. So I had told Nufi Kelly that after we were done with downtown, that we were going to swing by and I was going to bring Tone and Derek with me and have a few beers and chill out. And she's like, yeah, cool. My dad's not going to be home for a long time. So there's, we're, you know, that was our plan. Um, so she knew Derek, but she'd never met Tone before. Uh, so as usual, Tone is Tone, right? So, um, we show up with all the sex stuff, um, this giant fuck doll and the beers and Kelly basically has no clue what's going on. Um, but she also didn't really give a fuck either. Oh, another F bomb. They see, they just slip out when I talk about this stuff. I told you guys. So we're talking and we're drinking and whatever. And then Derek turns on the TV and this is where the giant security camera comes into the story because um, Kelly lived in a building where you could see who was in the lobby of the apartment building by turning uh, to a channel on your TV. So we called it Lobby Vision. I mean, that might be the real name of it, but anyways, that's what we called it. It was Lobby Vision. Uh, so not only that, but you can also talk to the lobby by pressing the talk button on the intercom that was attached to the wall. So if someone's in the lobby and you just press talk, you could say, hey, fuck face, and they'd be looking around and blah, blah, blah. I swore again. Ah. Anyways, uh, so you get the point. A lot of you might still have that thing in your home. Um, so we're watching the lobby vision for a while, and it didn't take long for us to think of a way to incorporate the sex doll and all this stuff into what we were watching. So Tone grabs the doll and a bunch of the stuff, not the videos, but you know the vibrator and the, the, the bikini and a bunch of other shit and the lube and all the other shit we stole. And, and Tone went to the lobby, and he strategically placed it in a perfect position for our viewing pleasure and then came back to Kelly's. So now every time somebody came into the lobby, we would get Kelly to moan into the intercom and say dirty things and watch people's reactions. And it was very entertaining. I mean, if you open the door and you see the sex doll sitting there and you're like, what is that? And you hear like a newfie moan, oh, oh, dad, or you know, whatever it was. <laughs> um, you know, you're going to get a lot of cool sh- a lot of cool looks. We got a lot of laughter and shit like that. It was, you know, we're, it was 1998. What do you want from me? You know, we didn't have pay-per-view and Netflix. So, um, so yeah, so that's what we did with that. And we did that for, God, it felt like forever, but we never got bored of it. Um, so anyways, at one point, I, um, I headed into the kitchen to grab a beer, and then Kelly followed me in, and she said, oh, uh, you know, because uh, she was going to come out with us after for whatever the fuck we were, oh, another F-bomb. Whatever we were going to do, she was going to come with us. So she's like, I'm just going to grab a shower. And then she says, but before I go, I want to jump, when I get out of the shower, I want you to meet me in my bedroom. And um, I was like, oh, okay, no problem. So off she went to the shower. And I walked in the living room and I told Tone and Derek, I was like, listen, I'm going to be disappearing for a little bit. Um, so you guys can either stick around or, or head out and I'll meet up with you guys after or whatever. And then no sooner did I finish my sentence and Tone said, oh, she's in the shower. And then he began rifling through drawers and cabinets. And, you know, then we hear him say like jackpot. And he opened a cupboard that was filled with cartons of cigarettes and jugs of alcohol. Um, and you know, I've known Tone long enough. I knew it was going to happen. So I literally just, I closed my eyes and I headed into the bedroom to see Kelly. She gets out of the shower. We start doing whatever it is we were doing um, to keep us busy. 
but while we're doing this, we could hear like Derek and both tone, you know, they're, they're both giggling and they're laughing and we can hear cupboards opening and closing and doors and stuff like that. And Kelly's asking me like, what, what are they doing out there? And I was like, Oh, don't worry. It, it, they're, they're good. They're just, they're bored and they're probably just looking around and da da da. So I kept blowing her off and we, you know, we continued to do what we were doing. And so when we're done, um, Kelly was laying down and she's like, you know what? I don't really feel like heading out. Do you mind if I just stick around here? I was like, nah, it's cool. We're, you know, we're not going to do nothing anyways. So you're not missing out on anything. Um, so I told her, okay, we'll just take off then. So, um, I head out into the living room and Derek's like, we got to go like right now. And I was like, okay, yeah, I get it. So, uh, out the door we went. And as we're leaving, I look over at Tone, and he's got a pillowcase that he throws over his shoulder like Santa Claus, and he's got a plastic like shopper's drug mart shopping bag or no frill shopping bag, whatever it was, and Derek's got one or two bags too, and I was like, oh, fire. So off we went, uh, and we get outside, and inside the pillowcase was like four or five cartons of cigarettes and several bottles of booze. Um, the, the, these two guys, they'd stolen everything. They cleaned the cupboard out completely. There was nothing left. Um, so, you know, I, I knew I was fucked with Kelly at that point because there's no talking your way out of this one. But at this point it was really too late to do anything about it. So we might as well just enjoy the shit that we grabbed. Right. So, you know, the weekend goes by, go to school on Monday, you know, sure enough, Monday morning, Kelly finds me like immediately. And obviously she is not happy. So I knew this was bound to happen. I knew all weekend I was waiting for it. So my plan was basically just to blame everything on Tone because he didn't go to our school and she would probably never see him again. So it was perfect, right? It was a perfect alibi. But she was crying when she was when she was talking to me and it wasn't tears of, of, of sadness. It was tears of anger. And of course, she was saying all the things you'd expect her to say in a situation like this, like, you know, I can't believe you let your friends do this to me or, or uh, you know, I, I trusted you and, and, you know, stuff like that. But then she hit me with a curveball that I did not see coming. And it was the, and I'm falling in love with you. And uh, everything just stopped. And I mean, obviously, I knew she had some feelings for me because she had told me that she did, um, even when I didn't know that she had those feelings. So, um, but I didn't think we were in this ball, ballpark, right? So, I just kept saying, I'm sorry. It was all tone. It was all tone. But she didn't seem to care. Um, it, she didn't give a shit whose fault it was. It is what it is. So she looked right in my eyes and she, she never wants to see me again. And she stormed away. And that was actually the last time I actually had a conversation with Newfie Kelly. Now, in all honesty, I wasn't all that broken up about it either. But the fact that Kelly and I were done... It didn't really bother me all that much, but uh, in all honesty, um, what I was worried about was her telling Noof everything. If she told Noof about the sex and the hanging out and all the time we hung out without him and, you know, we had to lie to him about what we were doing and all that stuff, and now, you know, the, I guess you want to call it robbery of, of her, her smokes and booze, or her dad's smokes and booze, um, then Noof was going to hammer me in the face, but she never told him. I don't know why. In fact, not only did she not tell him, but a week or so after all this stuff went down, um, I see them walking through the hallways, and now they're holding hands. So I would see her look at me, and like I said, we never talked, but she would look at me, and she would give me this kind of like, I'm trying to make you jealous smile, but she really wasn't. So I, I, I don't know what she was going for. I mean, I know what she was going for, but she didn't accomplish shit. Um, I was just actually, I was just celebrating the fact that she never told Noof anything, right? Because I'm guessing, 
I mean, she didn't tell him for Noof's sake, maybe, you know, to protect him from like the pain and the suffering of knowing that his buddy Jay was plowing the girl of his dreams, or maybe she didn't want to admit to anything. I have no idea. But yet again, I avoided a beating from a big, angry Noofie. So that is my Noofie Kelly story. I am going to wrap this show up for today. I hope I could bring you guys some sort of enjoyment and a smile to your face as you're driving or walking your dogs or in a warehouse or in a cubicle or uh, working at the hospital, cleaning the cafeteria, uh, anything, man. Like, I'm just, I hope you guys, I hope I put smiles on your faces. And at the end of the day, if I'm doing that, then doing 25 and now 26 episodes, this makes it all worthwhile. So do me a favor, guys. Over the weekend, uh, hug somebody. Hug somebody you love. Tell somebody you love them, a family member, you know, uh, a neighbor, you know, a stranger, someone at Walmart, whatever, even if you don't mean it, just try and make someone else's day better. Because right now, we can all use some love and we can all use a smile and things are getting back to normal very slowly. But right now, we're still in a shitty situation. So just try and make someone else's day better. And that's all I've got. So have an amazing weekend. And until I talk to you on Monday, Bye for now.